It was amazing. And beside me, there was three human-like beings. Mm-hmm. And these human-like beings, I knew them. Mm. So it was like there was no introduction needed. It was just a warm, welcoming and home feeling. Be the most important message that you have for people is to help them overcome their fearful thoughts. Or exactly, exactly. So when you say fear, what fear? What fear? Or death. attachment? Fear, fear of death. Fear, fear of not enough. Fear of not being good enough. Not having mm. survival. Fear of because I think there's a lot of fear around money, not having enough money. And if, and also the fear that we can't. We're only given what we can handle, mm-hmm. and not to fear that we can't handle okay. what we're given. And I think that is one of the biggest things I've learnt as I think of it now, yeah. is that we're only given what we can handle. Yeah. No matter what, mm-hmm. we can handle it. It's just how we choose to handle it. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. I have another guest to introduce you to today. Isn't she beautiful? The beautiful Naomi Whitmer, who is an energy healer and regression therapist. And Naomi has had not one, not two, but three near-death experiences or NDEs where she met beings from other dimensions, extraterrestrials, all sorts of fabulous people. And since that time, well, one started when she was very young at the age of eight. She had her first NDE from a rubella, which a vaccination injection, which is really interesting. So for pretty much her whole life, she's had amazing psychic and intuitive abilities. And we're going to talk all about it on the show today. Welcome, Naomi. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Karen. It's lovely so, to be here. It's lovely mm-hmm. to have you, darling one. Naomi's not done this many times before. She's done one conference, the Paradigm Shift in uh, Queensland in Australia, yes. uh, where she was very nervous, and that's where <laughs> I actually discovered <laughs> That's where I discovered her. But, oh, my God, she's got such an amazing experience, but she's so nervous trying to tell it. So I put lots of people on the show who are pretty nervous. So forgive her if she's a little nervous. I think she's pretty chilled now. And then yeah. obviously you were in a documentary put on by Leah. Is it? What's Lana. 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 What's her last name? McConey. Lana McConey called? What's or Dr. Dr. Lana McConey. And uh, she did this fabulous, it's called Orende. Orende. What does Orende mean? It's basically to do with the consciousness. So expanding the consciousness and um, love. Oh, beautiful. And our abilities beyond what we know. So how did Lana 
discover you? Did she find you at, on uh, the Paradigm Shift as well? Yes. She did. Yes. There you are. And so she interviewed you via Skype because I think she's Canadian, isn't she? Yes, she is. I had my first interview for the, well, basically for Arenda um, after the Paradigm Shift. Mm -hmm. So she was actually in Australia at the Gold Coast. Mm -hmm. And then recently I had um, also another Zoom uh, session with her. Uh, it was yeah. an interview with her. She recently. had you on her show as well. She's got another show, another fabulous show as well. So uh, I know. Yeah, so you 5D TV. 5D TV, don't you love that? Yeah. So I'm giving everyone a bit of a plug on my show. I like to share the love. Don't believe yeah. in competition. It's all about cooperation right. in the 5D environment. Okay, well, let's get into your experiences because they're extensive. And I'm <laughs> going to quiz you. At the age of eight, you had your first NDE by uh, injection, uh, rubella vaccination. And mm -hmm. then at 24, you were hit by a car, which is another amazing experience. And then in your 30s, girl, I tell you, two weren't enough. You had a heart attack and you also had another NDE. Yes. So let's explore what happened to you at the age of eight. Do you remember having the, the injection? Yes, I do. It was at school. We all had to line up at school and get the rubella needle. Mm. I think it's actually called something else now. Yeah. MMS, uh, but I can't be certain of that. Mm. So um, we all lined up at school basically and got this injection, all the women. Mm. And um, basically shortly after I started to get sick, mm. uh, flu-like symptoms, uh, basic, basic things really, but I ended up contracting the measles virus through this rubella, mm -hmm. which was one of the preventatives. I know the rubella vaccination is supposed to not give you the measles virus. Look, you know, when I was studying naturopathy, uh, there was a girl in my class who was crippled by the rubella virus when she was a girl. She was, she was my age, she's a bit older than you, about 20 years older than you. And uh, it was the same thing. It was supposed to stop polio. Oh, that's right. She had the polio vaccination and it gave her polio so mm -hmm. I have to say I didn't vaccinate my child and uh, she's a lot healthier for it but we won't go into that so <laughs> you started to feel really sick after you got it and um, did they take you to the hospital no it was actually a late diagnosis mm -hmm. so by the time my mum well she kept taking me to doctors over and over again because I wasn't getting any better mm -hmm. and then I was already sort of out of my body at the stage um, that she got me to this one particular doctor that we hadn't seen before. And uh, she was screaming, help my daughter, help my daughter, because mm. uh, she was very intuitive as well. Mm. And she knew that there was something wrong. And the doctors took one look at me, didn't even put me in his room. I was still in the waiting room. And he's just said, call the ambulance. <laughs> and basically I was taken straight to the um, hospital put in my own room um, when they found out that I had measles because I was highly contagious. Mm. So, yeah. And what happened when you were out of your body? You were obviously watching all this from above, were you? Yes, it was phenomenal, phenomenal experience to be eight years old and um, removed from all the pain. 
and removed from the drama. So exactly, it's like watching television. Mum's down there crying. Doctors are crying. So your little body was like, sort of. Yes, it was unbelievable watching how lifeless my body was in my mother's arms. just draped in her arms I I can still see that picture in my mind it's um I suppose these kind of things even though it happened 30 years ago I can still remember it so clearly but to see yourself like that and to feel no pain and to feel no drama like you say it's just so surreal but it's very real. And if, only, if only we could live like that while in the body. You know? <laughs> exactly. That's the whole point of listening to all these. It's not to actually get out of the body and be at peace. It's to bring that peace into the body. So mm. while the drama is going on and people are screaming, you're just like, oh, my. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was and like watching a, a movie of like yourself. A movie, isn't it? Yeah. Watching a movie of yourself totally removed from the situation and being a huge part of that role, living through the diagnosis, living through what the doctors and the nurses were doing and, and even listening to the doctor say that, uh, we're go- sorry, we've done everything for Naomi, we're going to lose her. Wow. Mm. So did you stay there hanging out with mum and doctor and what did you go off somewhere else? Did you flip off somewhere else? I basically was able to do whatever I wanted. Mm-hmm. And when I found that out, mm-hmm. I, um, I, I didn't go too far though. I was, my mother was always with me and she had a lot of love and I basically followed her around. So if she went across the road, I'd go across the road and, or I even knew sometimes if I was confined back into my body or put back into my body for whatever reason it was, I, I actually knew what she was buying, what she was doing, and I could remote view, I suppose, see her mm-hmm. from a distance. And that in itself, and then her coming back through the door with strawberries and, and the things that I had seen, it was just phenomenal that I already knew that because they had trouble trying to get me to eat and things like that. It was, it was trying to... a very... It was quite horrible, actually. So I, I spent a lot of my time out of the body. Okay, so this is during the sort of recoup, recuperation. No, this was before. Before, before. Okay. yeah. And then what, what happened? So basically, uh, when it, basically when the doctor pulled my mum into the hallway, mm-hmm. he said the words that I said before, I'm sorry, we've done everything for Naomi. I think we're going to lose her. That opened up this phenomenal gateway of choice for me. Right. So it was like I was confronted with the light Mm -hmm. and I was confronted with my mum in hysterics, Mm -hmm. basically. But the hysterical state that she was in was just showed how much she actually loved me mm-hmm. and that love determined why I stayed and came back into my body. Mm. 
So when you were eight and you're out of your body, you weren't talking to any beings at that stage. There were all the light wasn't talking to you saying, make a choice. You were just sort of figuring it all out for yourself, were you? You just you were just witnessing the light, mom, and you were just making choices. Oh, wow. Okay, that's a good question because there's so much going on. Mm-hmm. It's all telepathic. It's all um, a knowing to. Um, so I was communicating with these beings, uh, ETs, spirits, uh, anything that was presented to me. And basically the light, when we go back to the light, I'll just address that situation. I was given a choice to go to the light, but I didn't actually feel the need to go, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So I didn't, it wasn't like I was pulled or it, it, like I said, it was, or you said before, sorry, um, it was like a choice that I could make. But with the spirits and the beings and things like that, there was interaction. Um, and because I had made the choice to come back to my body, I was experiencing and communicating and they were distracting me from the healing process of getting better. So you did meet a whole lot of beings at that time. Like they were, so you were out of your body. Were you hovering above your body or were you in another realm and you can sort of see your body like a movie? Where were you? What kind of existence were you in while you were out of your body? Well, I would say it was my spirit or my energy being, energy light being. So what did your surroundings sort of appear like? It was basically I could be in the room experiencing everything, but I was like removed to another level. Mm -hmm. So like a parallel, I would call sort of like I was still in the room, but there was so much going on around me. Okay. That even when I got back into my body, I wasn't fully you were there and here simultaneously. That's right. Really That's connected. Right. Yeah, I That's get that. Right. You know, like because really what you're explaining, you know, when we talk about NDEs on, on shows, that experience that, you ha- that we have or people have, we being humanity, is showing us who we can be. Mm. See, we can be there and here simultaneously. Oh, okay. So they're saying, correction, Karen, you are here and there simultaneously. Exactly. And then we wake up to that awareness of being there and here simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Mm, Interesting, fascinating. So who did you meet? Who are these beings? Tell me me about your beings that you met. Well, I I met different beings each experience that I had. Mm -hmm. So let's stay at, at age eight and we'll get into 24 and... And when you're in your 30s, 35, 35 yeah. later. Yeah. So while I was eight, I was greeted by, I can still see them now. I've actually drawn a few pictures of them. Um, some would sort of cloak themselves and dress themselves up as um, certain um, cartoon characters or characters so that it would make me feel comfortable, I suppose. Yeah. So it's almost like a, a theatre theater oh, I can't say that word like a theater type um experience that I had at one stage where there was like tutus um you know being sort of dancing around um it was phenomenal 
it, it's something that you can't really explain in its full representation or its full content because that was the distraction of when I was really sick. Yeah. And then when I started to get a little bit better, it was more presented to me in a different way. So I was actually seeing the beings in a different light because I knew the energy. Mm-hmm. So it was like the energy was shown to me uh, as real fun and happy and distracting me from this healing process. And then they were slowly coming through as themselves, which was even more. Um, so obviously they're appealing to the eight-year-old mind and, um, you know, like a kid watching a cartoon mm. and, and just, yeah, p- appealing to your eight-year-old mind. So when they weren't presenting as like cartoon characters, what did they look like? Were they angelic? Were they ETs? Were they dead relatives or friends? Uh, most of them were spirits or ETs. ETs? Mm. What did they look like? What did they present as? I know that we can all present as a point of light and from that perspective we get who they are, but we've mm. got to talk to these little linear 3D minds. Yeah, well, I suppose... I suppose it was the first time um, and I haven't really seen a reptilian since. Right. Uh, since I was eight. So they presented as reptilians? Not all of them, no. Okay. But this one particular one and it was sort of like I've drawn the face but I'm not a very good drawer. Um, but I have drawn it a couple of times and it seems to be getting a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> when I connect more, I can sort of get the features a bit better. But uh, it one was like a rhino kind of thing as well. Uh-huh. So one and then the other one was very, it's like malevolent. It, there was no malice. Yeah, it it wasn't like a distinctive thing that I had to really be so concerned about what they looked like. Yeah. But I did have a couple of reptilians there. Um, Like I said, for the first time, um, I have never had any more. Yeah, Uh, since then. I was watching something on Gaia, another plug, uh, the other day uh, where um, Emery, Emery Smith had said that he had worked with reptilians um, in his physical body and he said that they were very uh, benevolent and that they didn't they looked kind of more humanoid than the kind of reptilians that are presented more as dinosaurs yeah. I, they, does that make yeah, sense I would have to say that I wasn't afraid I wasn't in fear it was nothing even like Jurassic Park yeah it was because they were sort of like human like as well they were standing right. on two feet mm-hmm. so it wasn't like the four-legged um, rhino or anything yeah. like that. So it was totally different. It was, and then I also saw uh, greys and um, I think a couple of blues as well because I, I have seen um, blues and greys since I was two. So Oh, cool. So what do the blues look like? Are they humanoid? Or are they points of light? What do the blues look like? I just see them as family, if that makes, like, because I've had such a long interaction with them. Okay, but what do they appear as? 
Okay, that's probably a better way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the elongated head or the higher head, I wasn't looking at myself. <laughs> um, very, very loving. Very, very nurturing. So are they human-looking? Uh, do yes. they look like the Egyptian sort of photo, you know, the Egyptian hieroglyphs? They look like they're human, but they're blue. A bit like Krishna. You know how Krishna was a blue being? I haven't seen that. Oh, um, well, Krishna is the Hindu god, you know, the deity, the, mm. their god. And I'm pretty sure he was just an ET from another dimension that came down mm. to inspire humanity. Heard. And they, they formulated a whole religion around him and his stories. But So they had blue skin and elongated heads. And appeared humanoid and, were humanoid and were very loving. Yes. And like I said, uh, I wasn't afraid of them because I'd already had contact with these particular beings and the greys um, beforehand. Okay. So they appeared to me the first time, like I said before, when I was two. Yeah. And even then uh, I was in my cot And they were playing with me. I remember their long fingers playing with me. And there was like the shadow up against uh, the brick wall in the unit that we were staying in. And I called them my shadow friends. Oh, Yeah. So. Oh, wow. So they keep taking you out of body in drastic ways. They definitely don't want you to forget them. Exactly. <laughs> it's like just when you get well and truly entrenched into this human life and all the distractions of what it is to be human, you know, money mm. and, and careers and shoes and all that sort of stuff that women get distracted with, um, they like go, right, let's take you out of there and remember why you're here. So at the age of eight, did they give you any messages then? Did they say... Oh, I'm just looking at 222, alignment, alignment. Did they say, mm. you know, did they give you any instructions or did they just sort of like play with you and say, just remember us, remember us? I suppose so. I suppose it was more like recognition, as yeah. you're saying. Right. Um, we're here. We're here. Um, and that love. Right. Um, and support. I felt very supported with the decision that I'd made to okay. come back. okay. All right, so when you did come back, how did that sort of expand on that? What was happening? <laughs> it was, like I said, there was a lot of distraction going on because it was very traumatic. It was very traumatic on the body coming back. It was very painful being in the body right. and going through the whole healing process. And I think, and I'm glad you've actually asked because, um, you know, Anthony sort of bypassed the whole healing um, process and things like that. Obviously, we had to get through quite a bit. Um, but the healing process is, is quite, quite an experience in itself with each uh, near-death experience that I've had. And being a child... I think that if I was a mother and knew that this had happened to my daughter or son, 
or, or even my cousins or, or anything like that, any family members or friends, I would love them to know that they're not alone and they don't necessarily feel the pain all the time. But there's just no one to talk to about what actually happens mm. and what you actually experience through the healing process. So what were you experiencing? Tremendous pain. Uh, but like I said, I could come in and out of my body quite freely until the integration began. Mm -hmm. So there was that distraction from the beings when I was in my body and needing that healing. And how long did that go on for? Days, weeks, months? It was probably uh, quite a long time. I, I don't remember exact time, but I know it was at least a month that I, a month that I was in the hospital, I'm pretty sure. And then mm. when I got out of the hospital, I was still recovering at home. And then later on had to repeat a year at school yeah, and things like that. So it did take its toll. Mm. Mm. Did you tell your mum what you were experiencing at the time? Like I'm playing with my, you know, ET friends when I'm not in my, my body, mum? <laughs> well, I couldn't really talk much. Oh, I was okay. Ill. You were that when, ill. What yeah. about when you got better? Yeah, I sort of told her. Um, she went down the road and she fell over and I could see her down the road falling over and she came home she, and um, I knew she'd fallen over. Uh -huh. And I said, are you all right? When I was sort of able to communicate a little bit. Yeah. And that's when I started to sort of say to her things um, about what had happened um, and she more or less said to me, not to tell anyone what had happened. Right. And um, I did tell a little bit to my father. Right. Um, my father does remember a couple of the things that I said um, when I was younger. and um, So that's, it, it's nice because my mother's not around anymore. I know, your mother's transitioned. Mm. Uh, I saw a photograph of her on your Facebook page. She was so beautiful. Not to say that you're not beautiful, but she looked like mm. such a beautiful person. She just looked... She was. She was. She is. She is. She is. <laughs> exactly. She's, she's actually saying that. Uh, but, um, she, uh, she was amazing in the fact that uh, she was sort of not only my mother, she was like a teacher. So when you told her what you were, you know, that you're experiencing these things, she was completely okay with it like she didn't try and tell you that you were making it up she was no no because she, she had very she had very similar understanding um through her growing up period so with these a disability that i call it ability and not gifts you know if, if you've heard me on any other podcast shows i like to make it clear that we all can do this it's just mm -hmm. a matter of activating that dormant dna and you know when you're around people like you and me that happens <laughs> naturally when you were a kid though and you had these kind of expanded this expanded awareness how did that you know play out in your life did you blurt out things to your friends that you saw in the future or that you remote viewed and they like Ooh. they go <laughs> what was happening well 
by the time I hit probably 16, 17, so when I was starting to go to high school, it was really hard to hide. Right. As I got older, it got stronger mm-hmm. and stronger. And uh, I was uh, one of my best friend, or my best friend. I'm not in communication with her anymore. Uh, uh, every so often, mm. uh, but back then we were very, very close. And sometimes I would say to her, "Oh, so." Um, you know, a scenario to her basically, and she hadn't told me. And she was, she would say, I was going to tell you that today. I said, no, 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 you told me last night. And I used to always say, try to say, no, but I told you last night. We talked on the phone. You told me last night. But it obviously happened that night. So I, she didn't tell me. It's like you were talking to her. Uh, in another dimension when you're asleep Mm -hmm. Uh, you'd already got the information and then that happens a lot like Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of misinformation between people it's like I told you that and people say no you didn't you go I told you that people actually (laughs) tell them in their mind and it becomes such a reality because it is a reality Mm. that they don't distinguish the fact that they've actually had a conversation with someone telepathically between having a physical conversation Mm. with someone I think that happens I, a lot. I think also just to mention that I've had um, times where I've actually um, gone to sleep and remembered in my sleep that I've actually gone to see someone and had a conversation with them. And I think, it, you know, from my experience, I remember it. Yeah. They don't remember it. Exactly. Yeah. And then sometimes it's vice versa. Wow, twice a person. We were having this discussion in the Inner Sanctum, so little online gatherings that I put on. One of one of the members was saying that she wants to talk to her brother, but he doesn't talk to her because he's angry about something. And can she speak to him on another in another dimension? I say, yeah, of course. You know, you can have that conversation with. Uh, be it somebody embodied or out of body, like someone who's dead, and, and, you know, nut out what you need to nut out in another dimension. And it will definitely affect this dimension. You know, he might all of a sudden not be as angry anymore and not know why because he doesn't remember the conversation, but the, the effects of the conversation exactly. has happened. Yeah. Exactly. There's a newfound perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty remarkable. It is, isn't it? Whether, whether we're allowed to remember it or not. Mm, I know. Mm. I'm always shaking my fists at my guides because they don't let me remember a lot of what I do during the night. I'll wake up with these crazy dreams and I'm like, what's all that mean? But anyway, we're not talking about me. Okay, so 25. Let's go to 25. 24 you are actually. Second NDE, hit by a car. What was happening? Well, the, the car actually um, hit me on the left, struck me from the left-hand side. So I was um, probably almost two steps from the gutter and um, I saw this bright light and I went to turn um, to the left, obviously, and it struck me and I flung onto the windscreen and then I flung off the car onto the road 
but then my spirit was running in the opposite direction. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh. But it's no, funny. no, no. Okay. Oh, no. So, so you, you stepped off the curb to, and, and then a car didn't see you obviously. And hit no, you. I was crossing the road. You were crossing the road, right. You were crossing the road and obviously a car didn't see you. And, and he, did you not see the car coming either or what was that see the car coming and think, I need to run? And by the time you had that thought, it hit you and your soul or your spirit was running, but your body was like. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's funny. That's so like. I have a spirit. It's like, yeah, my spirit's like dead. Get out of here. <laughs> Where am I? And my body's like that. Um, Visual, yeah, visualizing my body in the opposite direction, and um, yeah, it was amazing. And before I knew it, with that one, I was sort of taken to the light, but not in a tunnel, not uh, anything. I was just in the light, mm-hmm. but I still had that that visual sort of like, what? <laughs> I'm here. It was about three or four metres. Um, I'm here, but my body's over there absolutely disfigured and hit. And it was I know. I heard you say on um, Lana's show, I think it was. Totally it, disconnected. It, it like cracked you in half or something. And I thought, yeah. God, you look so healthy and well now. I mean, you know, like. I've got the scars to prove it. Wow. Oh, well, obviously yeah. you healed. Let's not get into the gory details. Sorry if you want the gory details not going there. Um, so, so you're outside your body. You realise that you're like a couple of metres away because you've run and the cars hit you. And then the next thing you find yourself like in the light. So what, what, what did it look like? Were you in a, like just like surrounded by white light and you couldn't sort of see anything or was it like a meadow or a... It was just light white and gold and gold sort of like gold um uh what do you call them like um pillars with well the gold pillars with the little knobs on the top uh-huh. and it was it was beautiful it was absolutely beautiful but i think it would be blinding to the eye uh the physical eye in this physical world it was amazing and beside me there was three human-like beings Mm -hmm. and these human-like beings I knew them Mm. so it was like there was no introduction needed it was just a warm welcoming and home feeling Mm. a sense of being in a place that you've already been before a sense of belonging Mm, mm. so you just felt like oh i'm home or yeah just just total peace and serenity like nothing else mattered except that moment and um yeah, I still think about it sometimes and I think, why did I make that choice? <laughs> I know. It doesn't, like, doesn't make sense when you think that you're in that environment of absolute bliss and peace, that you'd look down on a crushed body and you go, yep, I'll be going back there. <laughs> what, it, I was totally detached. 
from that feeling as well. So I, I totally had forgotten about my body. I was totally reliving this new experience. Okay. So it was just phenomenal in itself that, that we're that intelligent. And, and that proves sort of that the body here is just the vehicle basically in the physical world and there should be no attachment mm. to the body itself. So do you experience that now while you're in your body? Do you experience that detachment to the body or do you still, are you still very much identified with this body being me? It's a, it's a question I often ponder because sometimes I find I look in the mirror and think, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I suppose there's that removal Mm-hmm. Of, of a sense that you know that the, it's not like it's here in the physical world but it's it's you but it's not you yeah i yeah. can't really put that into words because yeah. it's yeah i don't i mean i look after my body i care for my body and i obviously live in the physical world but there is that sense of removal mm. of, on a certain level of um, that it's just for this point in time. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's an interesting that, perspective. Yeah. I have it. Well, that's the best way I can probably put it. Yeah. I, I find too when I see myself because I'm on camera a lot, something I resisted because of my vanity for years, and I find myself looking at my own videos and thinking, who is that? And feeling like completely detached from this person talking. Mm. Um, I mean, I understand what she's saying, but looking at the whole theatre of the body and the glasses and the hair, and the, it's just bizarre. It's like watching somebody else on camera. It's weird. I totally understand. That's what I'm coming yeah. to terms with because I'm not used to looking at myself. As you've probably seen, I haven't looked at myself <laughs> So I'm not used to looking at myself or hearing myself at the same time. Yeah. So it's, um, it's kind of like getting to know yourself. Is that me? Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. Is that, what, is that the bodysuit I'm wearing? So you're in this it place is. of bliss. <laughs> you're in this place of bliss with three beings that you know. What do they look like? Do they present as humanoid? Do they present as angels? Are they tall? Are they points of light? What were they? How did they present to you? They were Syrian. So what does a Syrian look like? Uh, to me, they, they presented as sort of, I don't know how this is going to come across, but it was sort of two of them looked dog-like in okay. the face uh-huh. and the other one was like a feline, so oh, more cat. Beautiful. Yeah. So I, I think there's... Um, lions as well and yeah like that i'm not sure but i didn't see see them at that stage so the feline looked more like a cat than a lion yes very distinct um almost like a siamese oh okay yeah Mm. and the other two look like dogs so there's actually depictions of Egyptians gods that uh Horus he's a dog isn't he like Horus oh I think so or is it he's is he a bird or a dog I can't I'm not up on my Egyptian um, uh, hieroglyphs but um is it his father 
dog. There's someone. Osiris? Is it Osiris? Oh, I don't know. I'm not up on the Egyptian thing. I'm not really that knowledgeable about it either, but I do know what, what you're saying. So it's interesting because when you hear experiences like yours, as fantastical as they sound, they do explain all these ancient hieroglyphs. Mm. You know, the Egyptians sort of presented them as a reality and us Western sort of modern people look at it and say, oh, it was mythology, it was just myth, it, they've made it up like we would make up monsters in a Hollywood movie type mm. of thing. But in fact, these beings had presented as physical beings in that time frame. So mm. um, it's fascinating. I find it fascinating. Mm. So did I. <laughs> so what did they say to you when you found yourself like, welcome home or what you're doing here? What were they saying to you? No, it was, it was all telepathic. Mm. Um, and basically there was communication in another language as well. Mm -hmm. um, but the main reason um, I was there or the main, one of the main things that happened while I was there was a scroll was presented to me and it was quite large because um, one of them went up into the um, corner of the room and it sort of flung down across um, the marble-like table or the light table that was there. And um, we started reading all these symbols. And the symbols were actually part of my life or this journey. Um, okay. So this journey in my life at the moment. So it was and like we, a life review sort of. Exactly, right. exactly. And we sort of got to one symbol where we stopped all four of us and we we're talking about this one symbol and um it was the star of david or many people call it different uh is it like the pentagon um i think i said that wrong uh, dyslexia so i i don't um i think a pentagon is a Oh, don't ask me about these things six either. Six-pointed star with six a circle. Star. So the star, let's just say the star. Yeah. I think everyone knows what the star of David is. So it was... But it did have a circle around it as well. So oh, okay. This particular one. <clears throat> so I think it is a pen... A, I don't know. But you get the idea. <laughs> and what did they say about this symbol? What, what were you discussing? Well, basically at the time I knew what we were talking about but yeah. when I came back into the physical I didn't actually know so it's been part of a journey to actually find out what that represented and meant to me on an individual level because as we're saying you know some people call it star of David but then it has a circle around it and then you know sometimes it's represented in many different ways in yoga text in um, Hindu text or, or whatever as in different symbols um, or different meanings. So that was another thing that I had to sort of come here and work out what that meant for me mm. or come back. That was the sort of like uh, that what we agreed upon that I would come back. I know, it's frustrating, isn't it? So, so you go home, they kind of remind you of your life's mission and they give you all the details and then they send you back and they say, but you won't remember. 
<laughs> exactly. You have to remember. Uh, like you'll have to work it out for yourself yeah. when you get back down there. Oh, frustrating. Um, okay, so you were having a discussion about this symbol and then what happened, Do, if, if you remember? Well, I pretty much was straight back into my body. Okay. Right. Yeah. And, and I was at the hospital mm-hmm. um, with a snapped leg backwards, disfigured body, um, arm over my head, blood everywhere. Yeah, I'll never forget looking at my eyes uh, before I got back into my body. I don't think I could ever draw that picture. Mm, Did they look nasty? Just blood-filled. Absolutely blood-filled. And... Did they help you with the pain and the healing? I mean, you know, I spoke to Nancy Ryan a few times, Ryan's a few times on the show. She was hit by a truck and she broke 24, 25 bones uh, in numerous places. She was mashed to smithereens. But she said that, you know, uh, when she was on the other side that they really helped with the healing and she healed extraordinarily Mm -hmm. fast and without too much pain. Although she went through this horrendous experience and received her marching orders while she was over there as well. You know, and she was an atheist and she came back here and they said, teach people about heaven. They go, okay. Um, she healed very quickly. Did that happen for you as well? Like was the healing process a little faster than most? Or? Well, I, I would have to say yes. Mm-hmm. They, they helped me in the physical, mm-hmm. the, the spiritual and the consciousness. So basically I was um, taken at night. And I was also helped during um, in the physical on many levels because I was told that I w- would not walk again. Oh, right. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was given it and my, my back is still, I still do have a lot of vertebrae out and um, problems here and there, but I just do a lot of energy work mm. with myself. I think I remember you saying in another interview that when you left your body, you there was three of you. There was the physical, conscious, and spiritual. Was that mm-hmm. that time, or was that the next time? Every time. Every time. Do you want to mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about that? What that was like? Yeah, I I sort of mentioned that I explained this at the Paradigm Shift Summit that that's how I believed we were three D beings, or three D physical beings because I could see my physical body mm-hmm. and then my spirit could see my physical body and then my consciousness could see my spirit and my physical body. So therefore I was having three different experiences at the same time. So what you call your consciousness, because I know it's hard to give these things labels, mm. this part of you had a broader perspective had a more expanded view is that what you're saying yes like it could it could view your physical like body and then it could view let's call it your astral body because i know that a lot of people have no that's similar to the different spirit that's similar because the astral body people say is the astral body the spirit the soul um they call it many things Whereas I just, I try to, I know it's an energy, it's our energy light being, but it is our spirit 
our tr- like our essence, but our true essence combined is our consciousness. It is so intelligent. So would you call that the higher self? Yes. Okay. As so, people mm-hmm. refer that to as in many other contexts as well. Mm-hmm. So except the physical body is the physical body. Physical body. Look, this has been explained in so many different ways throughout the years in so many different biblical and religious texts and stuff like that. And everybody gives same components different names uh i think the hindus call the car body which is why i tell people to call me car and they're not karen also that the r is the is the vibration of the heart chakra um the car body is the part of the soul that reincarnates so it's that spirit vehicle of this higher self the spirit i guess it's the spirit you're Mm -hmm. calling it the spirit that is is leading all these different lives in different realms of existence and then there's the higher self maybe that you're calling the consciousness Mm -hmm. sort of oversee all of it knows all of it it's all a part of it it's kind of like it's the higher intelligence it's the broad yeah higher Mm. broader it's the Mm. all-knowing it's that god aspect of us it's Mm. that all-knowing aspect of us which Mm -hmm. a lot of people refer to as god you know i had my neighbor saying that you know only god chooses things about your life but that god is really your higher self that's making those Mm. choices like i I couldn't imagine that your conscious mind would choose to have these three ndes maybe even your spirit didn't choose but your higher self or your consciousness did because you know it had a plan for you i suppose yeah going back to agreements or soul agreements soul agreements yeah ah interesting so you got to experience that when you're out of your body and did you kind of find yourself as your higher self looking? Definitely. It was always three. It was always three time. Like, like there was always that 3D perspective that I saw. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> did you relate more to one perspective or did you like equally connected to all perspectives? I had my moments i suppose but i i had that broader range of seeing or or knowing that i could see the two from three from the third which was the consciousness that i i just call it the consciousness Mm -hmm. um because it's so conscious of everything (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i i've named it the consciousness as but it is the higher self too because it's it's the higher form of us Mm -hmm. that can actually view us completely mm-hmm. and totally so uh yeah there's many ways of looking at it and i suppose that's why there's many um different names for it <clears throat> from that perspective did you see your past and future lives or your other lives or your you know et lives did you view that i mean maybe you did and you just weren't allowed to remember when you came back to your body not then no no it was all about that present moment in time Mm -hmm. and what it was all about Mm -hmm. but the experiences proved to me that there was more that i wasn't being shown or told in the physical okay because of the feelings that i felt and the knowing and having that experience with those other beings and and the beings around me and the spirits around me too all having that feeling of um, not fear. 
of of being in your true essence mm, beautiful so when you came back into your body <clears throat> excuse me and you healed and you were living your life up until how old were you 35 was it 35, 35. so it's like 11 years how did you have a knowing that you were here to do something like did it activate your um mission that i'm here to heal i'm here to uplift i'm here to help through the process of of getting better mm -hmm. and what i endured and what i went through right um my mum also uh had cancer mm -hmm. or got cancer and i looked after her for five years mm. and during that time i was able to do things that i um was quite surprised about <laughs> so i suppose it was a journey in itself so everything has been a progressive journey of actually um trusting yourself as well when when something's presented to you that you're not actually going against yourself and um as i said before my mum said don't tell anyone these things or don't you know, it was all about suppression and things like that. So I was suppressing things because she was afraid for me mm. because, because of the life that she had. Okay. Um, at her, yeah, at, in her era, I suppose, people looked at her differently and she didn't want that to happen to me. Yeah, that's understandable. She didn't want the ridicule and the judgment. So interesting. Funny, mm. I was... Um, Whitney Strieber, you know who that is? He wrote a book called Communion many years ago. It came out in the, the 80s, probably before you were born, about his ET uh, abduction. Mm -hmm. And I guess it, that, book, it, it, that book just woke up so many other people who were connected to their ET, well, that had had abduction experiences. Little did they know that those horrendous, hideous, terrifying experiences were as actually mostly mostly planned from their soul's perspective and they they're just they just couldn't wrap it around their human mind but that's what it is that's so, what it is it's yeah. you know there's so much in the way of our belief systems and what we've been taught and, and yeah. that this the human brain cannot perceive or understand it well it can it just has to it just has it to open it takes a while it can take a while but I was just watching him, I think it was last night. I hadn't thought about him for many years. I think a few people had mentioned him on different shows and I thought, I wonder, you know, he's still alive. I wonder what, he's in his 70s now. And he's had a lifetime of ridicule. Um, we live in a new era where it's more accepted. And so you and I can have this conversation on YouTube and we won't get too many, you know, comments telling us we're crazy. We'll get a few. But the, the majority of people that will tune into this show will completely understand what we're talking about. So we're in a new era, but you know, poor old Whitney Strieber had a lifetime of ridicule and it, it's greatly affected him. Um, I guess your mum wanted to protect you from that, mm. you know, a lifetime of ridicule. Mm. But as I say, we're in a new era, especially, especially since 2012. That's when she died too. Oh, I was just about to ask that question. So 2012, did she die before you had your third NDE or mm -hmm. after? Before. 
Okay. Oh, so, so, yeah, before, before. Mm. Okay, so interesting. Did you see her when you left your body the third time? She was with me, right. uh, but it was a very intense experience. Well, do you want to tell us about that? What was happening? I, instead of encountering three different scenarios, I still encountered three different scenarios, but I actually lived three different scenarios. So in the physical body, in the spirit, and in the consciousness. So my physical body went to the hospital. Right. So you had a heart attack. Where were you? Just at work? I was at home. At home. And you had some pain in your chest or what was happening? Oh, yes. So a lot of pain in your chest. It was very, very painful. Right. But quick. Right. So that was probably good um, that it was quick. But um, did you take yourself off to the hospital or did you get an ambulance? An ambulance came mm-hmm. um, from my brother and his partner who called them and um, they weren't there at the time. I was on my own. And um, so my physical body went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. My spirit went back home or stayed at home because it felt safe because of the memories and everything with my mum there. Oh, so the home as in your physical life address, not home as in heaven home, but home. No, no, as in my physical. Right. So your body went to the hospital, your spirit stayed home and your consciousness, what happened to that? Fifth dimension. Right. Mm. So the reason I know this is because there was three different scenarios going on compared to the other two where, well, there was but this was so much more pronounced and having to integrate that back into my physical body and finding my physical body. But with my spirit experience, I actually had, I didn't know I was actually a spirit. I thought I was a physical body. So uh, this is why I understand earthbound spirits and, and things like that as well, because we don't actually know. And um, I didn't know whether I really wanted to tell people that, you know, we don't actually really know, but I found out that I was not my physical body. And as soon as I found that out and was told that, I immediately went back to my body. Okay, so how did you find out? Like, okay, so you're at home, you have a heart attack. Ambulance comes, takes your physical body off to the hospital. What's your spirit body doing? Watching television? What's she doing? She's staying at home doing what? Washing the dishes? Reenacting safety. Reenacting what I would usually do. How do you so mean? What I would usually do, I was um, a smoker at the time. Right. So I was just sitting on the couch. I was having a cigarette. Um, okay. I remember something to do with the neighbours, but I was quite confined to the, to the house or to the unit. So I, was, I wasn't able to leave the house. So that was a strange thing that I found. So I had, so this is how some of the pieces of the puzzle started to come together. Right. And then um, I had a visit. 
I don't really know how far to go into this. Um, Just go there, girl. <laughs> oh, I, I really don't know. Um, and you've probably noticed that I have been a bit standoffish with a couple of my answers. And I think, I think that's because I'm not trying to hold back from what really happened. I'm trying to give it the integrity and word it the best way that I can so that people can understand it. So basically what I feel to say on this one is that you basically find out that you are trapped and that you're not your physical body. So I feel So who did you have a visit but you said you had a visit who was visiting you? It was someone that I fabricated in my mind uh-huh. as a spirit to come and tell me basically that, it, that I was not my physical body. That's the best way I can put it. Okay. This so- is how intelligent we are. Yeah, I, I get that, but I'm just trying to work out this scenario. So, all right, body goes off to the hospital, spirit stays at home, sits on the couch smoking. And oh, I wasn't just doing that. Yeah, but let's just, like, you know, some of what yeah. you do. So, but you feel trapped. So, and this is what you're saying, that sometimes when people leave their body and they're, oh, I lost you. Yeah. Okay, so we had a bit of a hiatus there. The battery ran out on the computer, which interrupted. So we've had a cup of tea. We've gone to the loo. We know we've relaxed and we're back again. And we just have to figure out where we were. We were talking about you experiencing your third NDE as the three different aspects of you, but you were experiencing them kind of separately. So when you were in each experience, you're kind of completely in that experience. And one of those experiences was what you call your spirit or your spirit body, staying at home, uh, feeling safe, feeling safe and feeling kind of trapped. You said like you're, and then you said that you know what it feels like for a spirit sometimes who dies and their physical body's gone and they don't actually know they're dead. And they kind mm. of like they're trapped in some, they feel trapped. Do you want to kind of, Talk about what it felt like to be confined. Let's call it confined rather than trapped. Like, um... Yeah, I agree. I just used that word as in an association that we can um, become attached more or less. Probably right. trapped wasn't the right word, okay. but attached mm-hmm. to our environment mm-hmm. or, you know, our everyday living and things like that where um, we become attached to our home, our car, Mm. our land, something that we really love. Mm. And I think I was saying something about I had a lot of memories with my mother there. Right. Because she had passed over. She'd gone, okay. And so that spirit aspect of you uh, that was still attached to your physical mind wanted to sort of be in that home environment where your mum was. Mm, Because I felt safe and secure. And, you know, it makes me think, and you said it, that your guides gave you this experience so that you had a a direct experience of what it's like to be a disembodied spirit that hasn't crossed over as such. And so Mm. maybe, no maybes about it, 
you can help people like that that are sort of not trapped but attached. It's a much better word. Attached, attached yes. Attached to this 3D environment and they're, um, they're not kind of crossing over. Mm. It's obviously a part of the work that you do, yeah. Yes, yes. Mm. Oh, it's amazing that you've had that experience. Okay, so your body's in the hospital, you, your spirit's at home. What was your consciousness doing? What, what was happening with your consciousness? It was in the fifth dimension. And what, what, what were your experiences? So basically I was aiding five or six beings right. on the fifth dimension. So I could see them all be in five or six different places at once and also aid them all at once. So I knew everything that was going on, everything I needed to address, everything that I needed to help them with. And I knew exactly when I was leaving to go back to my body. Okay. So why did they need to be helped? What was happening to these beings? These beings were, oh, I want to say the... I want to say the right word. These beings were very unestablished in their environment and created uncomfortable circumstances, sort of similar to myself. So I suppose it's a reflection of what was happening to myself. And therefore, I was able to help and aid them in that process which also set my spirit free back to my body. Wow, okay. So these beings, as you call them, were they humans? No. What, what were they? Or what did the, how did they appear? They appeared basically as different types of beings, but mainly I would say they appeared as energy or or say a grey, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, that's probably the best way I can describe it. But it was more like an energy being as such. But I knew that they were ET. So they had created a circumstance which had them feeling trapped as well or uncomfortable? Mm, they had put themselves in a situation where they needed help. Or aiding like I had and what did you do to help them I did whatever I needed to it was all beyond it was actually sort of out of my control or comprehension of how intelligent and how much I could help them without even though I could see everything that, that needed addressing um, and each different location they were in it was like my intelligence took over in aiding the specifics. Do you want to go into some specifics of like what you did with one of them? How did you aid them? Well, I can go into the specifics of one of them in particular when I knew when I was leaving because it actually knew when I was leaving too which was quite remarkable that we had that connection. 
so it wasn't just me it was also them feeling the connection of me leaving them and the job was done or the or the help that was needed was resolved can i ask you a question were there three different beings or they all the same being like when i say five to six different beings so when i say different different species like different like a gray and a different one and a different or were they all grays to be honest that was sort of irrelevant okay to to what was happening at the time i just knew that Mm -hmm. i had to be there Mm -hmm. do something for them help Mm -hmm. them in that situation and it was just like the higher intelligence taking over i kind of feel like it was you they were you may as well have been like they were different aspects of you because it freed me in the end yeah like you're you're you know because as we're multi-dimensional we're living all our Mm. lives in different dimension and different realities simultaneously and when you're in a um i wouldn't even call it 5d environment but let's just call it a higher environment when you're in that broader perspective that higher self perspective you know these beings are you i mean in the ultimate perspective everyone is me you know we we are that's right god and everyone is me but at different levels so i feel like you've 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 gone back to your higher self perspective and you're from your higher self perspective you're guiding you in different aspects in different lives in this life in that life and in that's what mm. i see mm. feel like to see. set myself free yeah to help you to help mm. you to help yourself because you know that who we call on when we call on our like my guides who i call my mob and then i was speaking to rich martini on the show he said you know the mob's the name for the mafia and i went oh yeah i never thought about that anyway <laughs> i'll call them the group now <laughs> They, they have said to me that that consciousness that I perceive as my guides is my higher self. Mm. Go, ah, okay. Well, that kind of makes sense but doesn't make sense because our linear mind can't really cope with it. But um, mm-hmm. okay, so you kind of set yourself free. So you were setting yourself free the aspect of you that was sitting at home on the couch that was the spirit were you setting that part of you free yes every by by the time i had finished with um aiding these beings Mm -hmm. i was totally back at my body all of you like the the yeah everything and then i had experiences on a higher level there as well Okay, well, we're, we're probably going to have to wrap this up pretty soon, um, but let's just go into that a little bit. What were the experiences you were having? Uh, so you were in the hospital at this stage, yeah? Yes. What was happening? I was seeing beings. I was seeing spirits. I was seeing... Um, and I, I didn't quite understand or... or sometimes it was hard to distinguish who was a being and who or sorry who was a spirit and who was a a physical person Mm -hmm. by that stage because I was so used to interacting with that and I was still in that other realm so to speak Mm -hmm. so it was almost like I was given 
uh, information or content um, to aid these beings with my with my intelligence before the doctor had even given them their diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So I knew I was f- totally aware of everything around me. So like you, these other beings were sick. They were having some sort of illness. Uh, they, the ones in the hospital you're talking about. Well, you said that you're, okay, you were aiding some beings, but you were aiding them before the doctors gave them their diagnosis. So who was getting the diagnosis? Your body was, your physical body. No, the, the other patients in the ward that I was in. Oh, okay. So yes. from your high self perspective, you were aiding the other patients in the ward. Sorry, I didn't pick that yeah. up. And Sorry. You were helping them before the doctors gave them their diagnosis. And mm. So there was the soul aspect or spiritual aspect of you that was helping the spiritual aspect of them. How, how did that work? I can only just say it's our higher intelligence that takes over in a situation like that. Um, to be able to know that on a physical level without training and um, to the extent of a doctor or, or to even know. And um, even though I was visually seeing what they were doing to the patients and things like that, I knew what was going to happen next and what they were doing and what some of the patients were trying to avoid and you know were hoping that they wouldn't get this diagnosis and stuff like that and the relief when they didn't and and things like that so it was like a higher intelligence that took over okay but what did it look like when you were aiding them were you channeling energy were you um, working with their energy field were you working with their thought forms like this higher aspect of you that was you were completely conscious of while you're in your physical body what did you see that how were you aiding them what sort of energy techniques were you doing i haven't figured that out i don't know like i said it was a higher intelligence that took over what did you see did you see colored lights did you see other beings helping them did you see the beings helping the doctors yeah, I saw the patients, I saw the spirits or the beings, I saw the diagnosis before the diagnosis, I saw um, what they would have to go through, um, I knew um, what they had um, done or what was happening even um, before the doctors knew as well. Mm-hmm. So I pretty much, it was like scanning the room Mm -hmm. and I knew exactly what was going on, who was beside me. And then I knew when that person was removed, another one come in. And and, um, I knew things like, um, and I I really don't want to say this, but I'm going to. I actually knew when the doctors nearly gave too much medication to people mm-hmm. because I could see that the nurses were having trouble trying to connect with them on a physical level. 
and I could hear and see them clicking their hands over and over again, trying to wake them up or trying to get a reaction from them. Mm-hmm. But I could see deeper than that. Mm. So it's like when you came back to your body, you were having a the perspective that we gain when we're outside the body, like that broader perspective, that multi-dimensional awareness let's say you were having that while in your physical body so you kind of brought that perspective into your physical body pretty much but i was able to come out of my body also and and see it as well but wow. not not too much because i had been out of my body a very long time right how and long I'm, were you out the second time was it days or? I, I don't actually know. I don't actually know. And I, I wouldn't have been able to ask them, the hospital, because they wouldn't know um, on, on a, you know, on that what kind of level. out of my body? What? Yeah. <laughs> so. Did you, did you see your mum? Not in that, not, not during that time, no not during that time, but I, I had a, a, like a sense of feeling she was around. Mm-hmm. Like I said, she, she was my teacher beforehand, mm-hmm. not just my mother or, or my best friend. She was a lot more. And I think she was aiding that process as well and helping me uh, integrate back into the body, so to speak. Because the higher intelligence took over and um, my body was totally bruised and um, all the needle marks that I had from them, it, it was painful. It was painful, the process that um, I went through of them um, doing what they had done. And, and I, I, I say this, um, I've said this, I think, in each interview that I've had, you know, I'm not putting the medical system down. They're just unaware of what's going on. Yeah. And they're trying to do their best. Yeah, it's true. So yeah. I, can't, I can't blame them for doing what they did. Mm. They were trying to help me with the knowledge that they knew. With the, with the not exactly that's why it's so important to expand our knowledge to expand our mm. when we know better we do better exactly but, you know i had a yvonne uh, ballard who's one of the authors in the book awakened by death is a, she's an nde and she was a nurse for many years funnily enough many nurses have ndes it's amazing nurses are awesome uh, and she um you know when she came back to her body she realized that a lot of what she'd done within her nursing career had hindered rather than helped because she had a completely broader perspective mm. and um but you know as, as as i just said when you know better you do better so doctors and nurses they think they're helping but uh they're they're told they're taught we go to university spend mm. hundreds and thousands of dollars and years studying this stuff and they're taught one way and then you have to wake up to a new way. But that's why you're sharing your story is so important to help. Yeah. Well, I, I did care for my mum for five years. Yeah. So I was a carer. Yeah. So I did see that uh, side as well. 
mm. um, because I was helping her um, as much as I could and also with um, the gifts that I have and her gifts. Um, her gifts. It's interesting. I suspect that if people listening to this think, if she had so many gifts, why didn't she heal herself? But then sometimes we elect to have these uh, lifetimes of what mm -hmm. we would perceive as struggle or trauma. Your lifetime's been pretty traumatic because it, it teaches. It teaches. That's right. And, um, you know, and Rich Martini said in the last, one of the last interviews I did, you know, he talks to people on the flip side, he calls it, on the other side, uh, that many times people will come to experience cancer and they'll go through all the ravages that a disease like cancer can do to the body because in their next life they're going to come back as a healer. So they'll have that past life experience almost like a subconscious memory mm. and they will uh, do it differently than the, the way that they were treated you know they'll they'll do it differently yeah but like you you know I watched my mum I watched my mum die of cancer and I definitely wanted to do do it differently to the way that she was um my little ET friends come to say hello to do it differently than uh the way that she was cared for through the allopathic med medical system Mm -hmm. it, it was pretty horrendous watching her go through all that pain and trauma and chemotherapy and all that sort of drama so definitely uh, it definitely is uh, but we have to honor and that's something I learned to honor her decisions that she yeah. wanted to make and um so uh Naomi it sounds like you're pretty adept at getting in and out of body like being here and there simultaneously having that dual access that dual experience of being in the physical and not in the physical simultaneously do you hang out with your mom like now now that you're so you're in your late 30s now and this happened in your mid-30s so that was a few couple of years ago do you hang out with mom in the non-physical realms yes i have done and what's that like did you have a bit of a reunion or was it just like you'd never left? It was almost like um, she would come and she would wait for me to get ready to come with her. Mm -hmm. Or it depends. It depended whether she came to me when I was awake or whether she came to me when I was asleep. Mm. So let's talk about what it's like when she comes to you when you're awake. When I'm awake, it's more like, come on, get ready, <laughs> come with me. And it's almost like that was another learning point for me because at first I was sort of, when she first came to me very strongly um, after she passed away and um, I wasn't quite sure if I could do it. I was sort of like, oh, but... I don't know if I can, how can I, but I knew that I could, but I was like, is this possible? Because it just didn't seem right, but it took off. So you weren't sure that you could do what, that you could leave your body or what were you doing that you weren't sure you could do? Yeah. I wasn't quite sure because I was awake Yeah, that I could leave my body and go with her and leave my body in the physical realm, right? Un yeah, unattended. 
So it was like another learning. Couch and say, sit there, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, similar to that, similar to that. Like it was almost like I suppose I was being um, aware mm-hmm. that I was actually, you know, you know, taking the responsibility of leaving my body and going with her to this unknown and but also protecting myself at the same time. Right, yeah. And so when you chuff off with your mum, do you have memory of where you go and what you do? Yes, I do, but not all. Not all the time. Some of it's wiped, yeah. 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 Is there any particular memory that you have you'd like to share? Oh, there's quite a few. Just some, there's some amazing places on the other side mm. that we, that we actually see in movies. Okay. Um, you know, that, that's the funniest thing. Well, it's not a coincidence that some of the movies, um, oh, okay. Like Avatar. Yeah. I've been to a similar place like Avatar. Okay. Like in Avatar. Yeah. But it was a little bit different. It was similar, same, but same. it was Did it they... was all sort of plants and um, life, and you know, going up trees and living in huts and houses or in hammock, you, you know, all by nature. Mm-hmm. Mm. I know that movie. Just, I think at the end of it, I took my daughter to see it. We just stood. Th- we just sat there and like. We just didn't want to move. We just looked at each other. Mm. Um, definitely sparked a lot of memories for a lot of people. Definitely for me, memories that I don't remember, but they see, it seems so familiar. Mm. So they were blue beings. Were they kind of like the blue beings that you encountered in your NDEs or in your astral travels or out-of-body travels? Those avatar-type beings, were they a bit like the beings that you saw? similar again but not exactly the same yeah Yeah. and it was more about our connection what we were doing so it wasn't focused so much on the beings that were there that I remember it was more about the encounter and what we can experience and look forward to and experience there's nothing to fear there is nothing to fear Mm. and I suppose that's the biggest thing that we as the physical being needs to know that we don't need to fear the fear is put on ourselves we just need to trust and love ourselves as much as we can so that we don't put ourselves in these positions um, and, and hopefully I can help many people um, with the knowledge that I've given or, or more knowledge um, in the future. Mm. So of all the things, the messages that you've got through the three NDEs, would that be the most important message that you have for people is to help them overcome their fearful thoughts? or Exactly. Stress? Exactly. So when you say fear, what fear? What fear? Or death. attachment. Fear, fear of death. Fear, fear of attachment. Not enough. 
fear of not being good enough, not having mm. survival, fear of, because I think there's a lot of fear around money, not having enough money. And, if, and also the fear that we can't, we're only given what we can handle mm-hmm. and not to fear that we can't handle okay. what we're given. And I think that is one of the biggest things I've learned as I think of it now yeah. is that we're only given what we can handle. Yeah. No matter what. Mm-hmm. We can handle it. It's just how we choose to handle it. And you put a lot on your plate, girl. I tell you, last, you know, one of the people I spoke to, um, Donna, Donna Lynn, who's an ET soul, she was saying that she remembers doing her life plan with her ET family as a soul, as a spark of energy and choosing all the things that she'd put on her plate. She said it was like putting, taking things off a smorgasbord and putting them on the plate. And she said, you know, illness, divorce, all these terrible things that we wouldn't choose. But as a soul, she's saying, yep, I'll be up for that. And I'll be up for that. I'll be up. And her guides were saying, you sure you want to put all that on your plate? And she was like, I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle it. Just like you say, your soul knows you can handle it. It's just that we forget in this perspective when the mm. proverbial shit hits the fan that um, being hit by a car or having a heart attack or rubella injection, sometimes we forget that we actually can handle it, but our soul definitely mm. knows we can handle it. Yes, I think that's really important to know. I think it's. So do you think throughout all these experiences you were aware that you'd chosen them or did you feel victimised by any of them in any way or did, were you tapped into the perspective aspect of you that knew that you were experiencing it for good reason? In all honesty, sometimes there was that physical aspect of me, like what, what? have I done? Yeah, what have I done? Because we'll always have that physical aspect within us yeah. that will always try and um, fight the common sense within us or that higher intelligence within us. Yeah. So I, I think if we listen to our higher intelligence or our intuition, it's like our heart, for example. If we walk into a room out and we don't feel comfortable, our heart races. And that says something to us. Yeah. And some people don't acknowledge that. Mm. They push past it. Mm. But I think the more that we listen to ourselves or our physical being, it's actually guiding us through this to make it easier for us. And we have the habit of sometimes making it harder. (laughs) Don't we just... Oh, beautiful. Well, that's a beautiful message to end it on. This, Look, I know there's so much more. Oh, my little friend's gone now. I know there's so much more to your story and uh, we'll get more out. I, you know, I'm hoping that, well, hoping. You said that you'd like to write a chapter in the one yes, of Yes, I would love to. I would love I to. I think it's, you know, for the ET book because so many of your beings were ET beings that I think that, would be great to explore that more in that chapter because uh, next year I'm hoping to put a book out called My ET Encounters, you know, showing people how ETs or aliens, as we call them, are not to be feared, that they're actually mm-hmm. part of who we are. Even if we don't have an ET soul, 
they're kind of like our parents that have been overseeing humanity mm. and the consciousness of humanity since humanity was created. The, when I say humanity, the consciousness, because that consciousness, that ego self, that forgetfulness, that attachment that we have was very much demonstrated when you were still a spirit and your body was in the hospital and your spirit was at home. You still had that consciousness of the human mind that, you know, you felt trapped in. So it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It's not attached to the body. It's a consciousness that works through the body, but it's actually, I don't know how it all works. I guess I'll find out when I die, but <laughs> I'm doing my I'm doing my darndest to figure it out while I'm inside that same consciousness in this body. So. Yeah. I think with retrospect to that answer, mm -hmm. um, our spirit holds a lot of knowledge of our lives or our lifetimes. And that's when our higher self needs to be acknowledged. Yeah. If that's the best way that I can describe it, yeah. because yeah. Um, being working um, in regression work or as a regression therapist, we actually access the spirit for the information of our past lives. Yeah, we access the so, higher so, self or the consciousness, as you call it. Yeah, we access that part of us that's got that broader perspective. More so, the spirit is in control of that when I access. Um, so the spirit is that part of you that was like the person that was on the couch at home while the body was in the hospital? Is that the part of mm, you? Yeah, mm. okay. Okay. Confusing, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> All right, darling one. Now, you haven't got a website, so people will have to con connect with you through your either a Facebook page or an email. Mm -hmm. I'll put those details on my website that um, if people want to connect with you. Thank you. Thank uh, you. I'll put your Facebook page, if you like, underneath the YouTube, but um, I'll put more details on my website. And uh, if people are in Brisbane and they want to come and have a healing or a regression session with you or chat to your galactic mob. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually thinking about um, doing remote work as well because I can do remote work. So I'm actually thinking about setting that up as well so that people won't have to travel. Beautiful. Well, now you've got the beautiful, you know, Zoom system set mm. up to do sessions on Zoom like this. And, yeah, the sky's the limit for you, honey one. Thank the sky's you. the limit. And, and you also. Thank you very much. You've obviously got a rather large crowd working through you, as you, with you, in all areas of that. So. Uh, I look forward to hearing more of your story in the upcoming Awakening Soul Series book. I haven't really yes. got a title for the book. I think ET Connections, I'm gonna, I've got to figure out a title for that. But anyway, that'll come out next year and we'll get some more of your story down. And um, Sounds wonderful. And obviously we can hear some of your story on that documentary called Arenda. What's it called again? Arenda. Yes, Arenda. Arenda. There is a screening uh, on the 22nd of August in, in Caloundra on the Sunshine Coast. Sunshine Coast, yeah. Yes. Do you think they'll come down to Sydney or obviously a lot of people that watch this are overseas, so not in Australia? Yeah, no, there was a screening in Melbourne. Oh, Melbourne. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so there may be one in Sydney. There may be one in Sydney. I'm not sure. I haven't heard. It's, uh, um, is it Lara? Is that her name? Lana. Lana. I'm good with names. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's Canadian, isn't she? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it'll be available on iTunes or download, I think, on demand soon anyway, won't it? it it's already um, available for you to see. All right, so where can people get a hold of it on um, iTunes or where she got it? Uh, it's on just a, if you type in Orenda, it's uh, they should find the film and um, the trailer for the film. Uh, there is a cost involved to watch it. Yeah, small cost. But it's yeah, it's amazing, and there's some amazing people that have spoken in there. Um, giving their insights um, with their experiences and knowledge as well. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them, Mary Rodwell, um, Marie Batchelor, Lauren Kurth. All of them I have had on the show, every single one of them. Um, all righty, and, so, and a few more. Uh, what was I going to say to you? Have you had a regression session yourself? You must have. I've had many. Yeah, okay, beautiful. But thanks for being on the show. It's been beautiful to have you on the show. Oh, thank you very much, Karen. It's been an absolute pleasure to share more of my story. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much also. You dying one. And um, until next time. Until next time. Well, isn't Naomi Whitmer fascinating? Not easy sharing these things. We had a bit of a chat afterwards and... um, Concepts that are really hard to put in linear verbiage, you know, linear ways. But I guess the more you share your story, the easier it becomes and the more words that you find to explain what you've experienced. But uh, she's an amazing young woman and uh, we were just talking about how she's really not been human too many times before. She said that this is her third life. She's She's packed in a lot in her young life a lot of tragedy as well as amazing things Mm, interesting so i hope you enjoyed the show let me know in the comments or send me an email and um, if you'd like to join our little inner sanctum tribe where you can meet some of the people we've had on the show inner sanctum online gatherings Maybe you've got experiences as well that you'd like to share or you'd like to talk about. Maybe you've never spoken about them before and you feel like it's time. I can understand Naomi's mum telling her not to tell anyone because ridicule can be a terrible thing when people keep telling you you're crazy and you're wrong and you didn't experience that and that can't happen. It can be damaging to our fragile human egos. (laughs) But uh, it takes a courageous soul, one, to live these things and then two, to share them. So if you've got experiences that you'd like to share, connect with me and let me know and maybe you'd like to come online with our little online group and you can share them nice and safely and privately in there but with a small group of people. And we share our stories and we have, uh, you've got me, you can chat too about these things. I've had my own experiences, many similar, many similar to Naomi but I didn't have to die to have them which is great. (laughs) Didn't have to be hit by a car or a truck or have a heart attack. Anyway, thanks for listening. Love you all. And remember, if you want a private session, I'm available. Probably won't be for too much longer because I get so busy, but 
I'm still available. So lots of love. Bye for now.